0: Once again, welcome everybody back to the Financing Simplified podcast brought to you by InTouch Mortgage Solutions. And today we're bringing back uh, Claudio Venuto, uh, not only is my brother, but he's also uh, an agent with us. Claudio, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do here at InTouch.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me back on. So at InTouch, my job really is a mortgage underwriter. So my knowledge is structuring the deal, putting together... All the documents and knowing which
0: lender to send it to that's best going to fit the client that's awesome no it's a definitely especially in this day and age with everything happening interest rates going up a lot of conversations around uh, what's happening with interest rates what's the bank of canada is gonna do on september 6th uh, i know i've probably put myself out there i'm in the camp where i think the bank of canada is most likely gonna uh, take a step back uh, hit that pause button at least for the month of september um you know what are your thoughts on that i really hope you're right but i don't know bank of canada these days
1: aren't uh you know can't be too reliable i don't know if i should be saying that but i have a feeling we're in for another rate hike just because inflation's up and you know even though core inflation uh costs of fuel costs of groceries have gone up bank of canada doesn't see it that way so we'll see what uh, we have in store well
2: Well, what what do you say how much do you think
1: I don't think they can go too crazy, but I think maybe another quarter point, uh, another quarter
0: point will go up. I will say this: I I think there's another quarter point in there at some point uh, by the end of the year, at the back end of, the, of this year. I think we're going to see that. Uh, it all depends on what happens next. Remember. Uh, for our viewers, I said, like, right now we saw inflation prop up from 2.8 to 3.3 uh, because of base effects, basically, over your changes uh, comparable to the the same data point last year. And as we see these numbers sort of change, that's what the Bank of Canada was talking about when they said that uh, interest rates were going to be or the uh, inflation was going to get sticky. We're definitely hearing from the U.S. Fed that, the uh, obviously, that interest rates are going to be higher for longer. And I think that's sort of the play... Um, you know, I get a lot of flack for, you know, the way I think about it, but the Bank of Canada has a very pivotal role. Um, they have put their f- foot on the ground. Yes, they've made critical mistakes over the last little hmm. while, uh, to say the least, when they were talking about interest rates remaining low forever, or at least for the short, short period time, of time. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously they missed the, uh, tra- you know, transitory mark. And, you know, I will say this, if 400 PhDs that work for the US Fed and how many that work for the Bank of Canada can't get it right, like... It's almost challenging, you know, there'd be people out there that say, oh, well, I knew it, like, bullshit, I call bullshit on that, I say, you know, realistically, there's there's two ways to look at it, Um, obviously, the Bank of Canada has a very powerful position, I think they're going to usually, at this point, use their language uh, to sort of talk people uh, out of spending, but obviously, we'll see what happens on September 6th, I think that's really uh, the key, but with interest rates going up ahead of that September sixth announcement, we saw uh, bond yields, you know, just picking up steam, and obviously that has a direct correlation to how fixed rate mortgages are priced. And you know, what we're seeing some crazy interest rates right now. Like, what are you seeing on, on on the board right now?
1: Yeah, no interest rates, especially on the fixed side, have definitely increased, and I think it's just keeping a lot of people off the table uh, when it comes to purchasing and refinancing. A lot of people are just too scared. I know we're seeing rates over six percent on the on the five year fixed three-year fixed. It's um, There's not many options out there, and all banks are kind of on the same playing field right now, and they've kind of held back. I think they're just following Bank of Canada trying to scare people off of making, you know, purchases or, you know, taking uh, equity out of their homes.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what monetary policy wants to do, right? They want to limit the amount of money, the cost uh, to borrow being very expensive, so that people don't leverage uh, and actually introduce this uh, extra money into the economy. Uh, last time I checked, I think was that the only rate with a five in front of it is is the insured, insured. insurable. Yeah. Everything yeah. else has a six or a seven in front of it right now, which is pretty scary if you think about uh, you know the cost of borrowing for a lot of these clients. And it's starting to happen. I mean, I guess with the Bank of Canada's most recent June-July hike, um, a lot of the banks with OSFI, the Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions, putting a significant amount of pressure, I think, on TD CIBC some of these lenders uh, to you know really get out to their client base and sort of say hey you have some options but you need to exercise them um, putting in the lump sum payment locking into that fixed rate mortgage yeah. uh if you a lot of Canadians that were not at that trigger point are now definitely you know getting those notices uh, with the pressure from fee. and i guess it brings us to like how do people manage right like i mean we've heard those stories you've seen the headlines yeah. Uh, people's mortgage payments going from like two thousand to five thousand dollars a month, uh, and obviously what it means for for people. Like, what are we? What are you seeing on that it, end?
1: You know, it's for a lot. It's a disaster. You know, for for some that we're budgeting that two thousand to twenty five hundred dollar mortgage payment, and now seeing it double on a fixed salary. You know, maybe they have a growing family. Maybe you know they have had to pick up a second job. Like we've had clients, and we've heard some horror stories where people are actually thinking about selling their homes. And, you know, as much as the Bank of Canada did what they did, I think they have to kind of stand accountable for, for some of their actions of what they're doing to Canadians. Well,
0: yes. um, <laughs> we do two part on this one. I mean, you were going exactly where I was yeah. thinking with this conversation uh, when it comes to renewals. And there's a lot of noise out in the media right now. Uh, obviously, it's important to understand like, and I said, don't quote me on the statistics around 60, 69% of Canadians own homes, I think 38 to 40% of them have mortgages. Um, obviously it's when they got the mortgage, what their payments will look like. Let let's call the spade a spade. If you have a variable rate mortgage with an adjustable payment, it's it's, it's hurting right now. A lot of Canadians who are in that boat. If you have a mortgage with a trigger rate, obviously you're going to be triggered now to increase yeah. your payments. Uh, it's like we were talking with Mark earlier. In the you know when we did our, our podcast, he was saying uh, off camera, it's 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 a lot uh, for Canadians to budget. Uh, it's it's as you were yeah. saying, you know, contemplating selling that home. Definitely, because you know what you're even seeing.
1: there's some clients that are on a static payment and there's some that are on adjustable variable rate client, uh, variable rate mortgage, you know, it's like most Scotiabank uh, mortgages are adjustable. So their payment adjusts every time the Bank of Canada or the, sorry, the prime rate increases, right? So at least they're still paying a little bit of principal down. And these people that are on a static payment, you know, they're seeing their amortizations jump over 40, almost 50 years on their mortgage. 90. (laughs) 90, yeah. So it's... uh, it's a little bit crazy what we're seeing you're definitely in my time as a mortgage broker this is a, a first for me mm-hmm. uh,
0: so it's a big learning curve and i think that was what we were talking about a lot of the younger buyers right now in the marketplace have never experienced these uh these types of environmental conditions um you know for most people from when we got into the real estate market when we first uh, purchased our first home you know it's been a pretty much a bull market for the last I don't know, 15, 20 years or something will argue less, some will argue more, but I mean we haven't really seen home prices uh come down. Arguably since Justin Trudeau no. got into power, right? <laughs> since twenty fifteen, we haven't seen home prices come down. Um I mean and and just speaking of the political thing, I think this is a really big conversation right now is the uh onus on the federal government and their stake in housing. Uh, he just came out not too long ago saying that, you know, it's uh, housing not their primary responsibility. I'm like, excuse me, like, wasn't that your election promise in 2015 yeah. was that you were going to make housing affordable? Now you're walking it back. I mean, look, as I said, not playing party politics here, but I think housing is this bipartisan issue. No matter what side of the aisle that you're on, we, we need to create affordable housing. And now they're meeting in PI for a retreat uh the, the the you know all these cabinet guys and girls and, and women whatever the case is uh to discuss what they're going to do with housing because we have immigration at the highest yeah. level we've ever seen since i think the the 70s housing starts at the lowest they, they've ever been no builders sentiment is down so they don't want to build in an environment where people aren't yeah. qualifying for a house it's like okay interest rates are high what incentive do they have to build And, you know, the government's response so far is like, you know, we have students that are coming in, 850,000, you know, foreign students, first and foremost, I want to just get this out of the way, um, is... Think about foreign students that have come here, that's the easiest path for them to become Canadian citizens or permanent residents is because they come through education, four years, and then they can apply uh, to become permanent. permanent yeah. And the problem is, is that universities are capitalizing on these situations because of the fact that foreign students pay more for tuition, tuition than yeah. uh, someone who's so from it's Canada. So
1: definitely a big revenue stream for the no. universities. Right.
0: And now think about this. Universities have no obligation to create student housing. No. Right. So now you go to school, it's like, OK, now these students have to go into the cities, into the the centers and rent, taking out existing rental. And the government saying, OK, what we're going to do, chop 10 percent off. But tying it back into the financing industry, how hard is it to do a student uh, student rental?
1: Yeah, there's barely no lenders that touch student rentals. <laughs> and it's a very gray area. And um Let's just say, yeah, there's no top A banks that will openly say they do student rentals.
0: Well, that and that's the thing. It's like the lenders are getting really smart. They know exactly what homes, what condo units yeah. are designed for student rentals. They know how the proximity yeah. to the to the uh, to the school. So, you know, the only way to finance some of these these units you used to be able to get it done through some of the major banks, but now they're walking away. Uh, you know, privatized uh, private mortgages. You know, some of these uh, other lenders will consider it, but at a higher premium. And I really think if like if this is the case, we need to sort of bring investors sort of back to the market. I know people are going to probably say, Ant, what are you talking about Bring investors back to the market? And I'm like, if people can't afford to buy homes, but there's investors that can yeah. uh, and who can introduce inventory into the market to satisfy the the need. Uh, I'm not saying that we should be rewarding these individuals, but at least making it a little bit more uh, simplistic for them to be able to to get into the to the industry or to get back into the investment cycle uh, so that they can bring back this inventory, build purpose-built rentals. We haven't built purpose-built rentals for the longest time. So, yeah. so let
2: me jump in on one thing. One of the big things that's happening right now in the market is a lot of people have equity in their home and they're pulling it out not to invest anywhere but to use it to pay their mortgage. What do you say about those people who are doing that?
1: Well, that's the thing you want to touch on. I was just going to say, I mean, there are strategies where... You know, especially with the rates the way they are, where in order to budget, it can it for certain individuals it could be a smart move because they can set aside their mortgage payments, let's say for a year, year and a half, and not have to to worry about it, right? Yes, they're tapping into their equity, they might have to take a higher interest rate on their mortgage, but for them it's a peace of mind where they know they can take their income and budget it towards other things, you know, their children's education, just supporting their family on a regular day basis with the cost of groceries and, and living expenses going through the roof. It, it, it can work. It definitely can be uh, a tool in,
0: uh, in, in people's uh, tool chest.
2: I agree, and What
0: about you? Listen, I, I believe a lot of Canadians are going to do whatever is necessary to stay in their homes if using their line of credits or credit facilities uh, to do so are the only means that they have uh obviously they're kicking the can down the road let's not Mm -hmm. let's not you know sugarcoat or you know let's not sugarcoat the facts it is what it is when people are going to be leveraging Uh, a lot of clients are using their line of credits to make up or top up those payments if they have them home equity lines of credits are a big problem uh big not problem but they're a good product but they're gonna have a problem qualifying for them in this environment now Uh, and and especially you know depending on the Yes, but they got to qualify for it, right? You still have to qualify for, if you don't have a home equity line of credit, unless you have a certain product with a lender that gives you the um, openness to get access to those funds, you need to qualify for that particular line of credit with that institution. It definitely can get messy, especially
1: if you have a higher collateral charge on your current mortgage with a a lender that Mm -hmm. might, you know, it
0: might hinder your ability to actually refinance your home and and then working with equity lenders the pr- the, the cost of borrow is going to be much more expensive although it's cheaper than a credit card uh you know we we're seeing people do mm-hmm. that i mean there's reports from Equifax that there people are missing credit card payments but they're still making their mortgage payments and i think and, and i th- th- definitely think like
1: that's one area where i feel like it's so you know controversial because we talk about you know we're kind of handicapping homeowners and with their mortgage and their interest rate but credit card companies can charge 20 percent interest with minimum payment of ten dollars and we're seeing it now more than ever where people are racking up fifty to a hundred thousand dollars of credit card debt you know and like there, there's fifty, 400, 50 400, to a hundred thousand of credit card debt unsecured How debt because it's, it's easy. Like, that's one, one area so where... $5,000, dollars credit cards. Yeah, you, you, can, you can easily qualify off. for a credit card and people are getting, you know, punished to try qualifying to buy a home. But banks well, are issuing you know, credit cards... uh the rest of your life like that. Definitely. Espe- bad, debt. bad debt. especially if you're not a homeowner, right? We see, you know, young people getting into, you know, even uh, debt from education, you know, OSAP loans, credit card debts, loan payments on their cars. These are so, things...
2: You're, you're telling me some people Oh,
0: easy, much easy. or more, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, it, 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 it's it's one thing to see it and one thing to understand, go through. It. There's a lot of people that, um, and this always comes down to the conversations we're having, especially as we're working with a lot of first-time homebuyers. Mm-hmm. Is that conversation about okay, you're buying a house, you know, you're buying it together, you're newlyweds. Uh, what's the timeline for children? How does income look like if obviously one person goes off of work? what what impact does that have to your bottom dollar especially if you have a certain lifestyle right is the lifestyle going to change is it going to remain the same you're going to have diapers food and everything like these things that that add into the cost daycare and one person might be off of work so the income goes down but the costs go up and how do people compensate for that like people don't think about that uh and when you sort of pose that question to them they're just they take a step back and they're like Oh yeah, I never thought about like that. I'm like I'm like, yeah. So like you have
2: because people are doing things to survive and not thinking about the future implications that are gonna come from it. Yeah. Think about it. For anyone that takes up more credit card debt and more people who go dip into their equity, they're basically in survival mode. They gotta find a way, a means to survive. Yeah. So what do you guys recommend they do instead of that?
0: Well, it's 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 very challenging because I always tell people like when we do pre approvals is Here's the amount that you qualify for. Um, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Number one, um, obviously looking at not throwing all your eggs in one basket, keeping some cash in, in, in hand, especially if you're a move up buyer where you purchased, sold home, made some money. You know, it's very tempting to throw all of it towards the house, but sometimes it's good to keep a little bit of money as a backup reserve fund so you're not dipping into credit cards at 20% or lines of credits at 8, 9, 10%. Uh, but it easy. obviously it's easier said than done for, for, for some, but... I think it comes down to the cost of living, the crisis that we're facing here in Canada, or at least in Ontario, Canada. Three major pockets: your Vancouver, your Toronto GTA, and you know, obviously, some parts of uh, of, of Montreal, whatever the case may be. But it, there is affordable housing elsewhere in the in the country. Yeah. Uh, we were just in Calgary; I can tell you firsthand, it, it's it's relatively affordable. But nonetheless, when you think about Somebody qualifies for a transaction to purchase a home. We use GDS and TDS. So gross debt servicing ratios and total debt servicing ratios. And that those numbers on someone who is salaried or hourly, it's gross. It's calculated on their gross and they have a servicing ratio of 39% TDS and 44% so on and so forth, yada, yada, yada. I'm not going to bore people with those, but that's pre-tax. What are they taking home after the fact? And I always say this. I said you're looking at it from the, uh, you know, the, before you're taxed. So yeah, you make this on paper, but what are you really making? You make 100 when you grand f- when you take home.
2: Well, yeah. you're taking
0: 50%. Well, Depending on how much with tax bracket. Yeah. But let's say you're making 100 grand, whatever. Maybe you take home 70, 75, 70.
2: Right, but then you're spending an additional 30% more on everyday life.
0: Yeah. Every, but that's what I'm saying. So the problem is, is the perception of qualifying for this deal and affordability. Where you think about if you rent a house in Toronto, let's say you make a hundred grand a year, do the math, and your rent's three thousand dollars a month. Your utilities are this amount per month, or whatever the case is—groceries, food, all car insurance if you have a car, maintaining the car. How much money are you really left with? And how much real money is actually going towards servicing that? So yeah, one minor flaw, one minor hiccup, uh, hence a, a, a kid child being born all of a sudden this additional two thousand dollars a month or fifteen hundred dollars a month that you're spending where's it coming from yeah. credit card line of credit because at that point you have no choice
1: yeah savings have completely diminished they've, you know we've seen savings kind of increase during covid but after the rate hikes and everything that's happening in the market the, you know say people savings have either diminished or can
0: completely gone they've had to tap into it to just stay afloat I've talked about this on our on our YouTube channel. Is the the M two money supply? When you think about what the government and the Bank of What's Canada, the M2 money so basically that's how much money is sloshing around so in the economy, right? How much money's in people's accounts and in savings, investments, like liquid cash, for example, to simplify it. Uh, so during the during the money printing process, we'll call it that, uh, where the government was writing stimulus checks and and all this stuff, people's savings were up because they were locked in their homes. There was nowhere to spend it. Yeah. Now, that is starting to dwindle away, and we're starting to see that curve offwards, and now that's also a good thing for the Bank of Canada, because they're seeing that there's less money in the system, right? There's less money being spent. But, to your point, people were able to save uh, significantly better when they were getting, A, handouts from the government. Uh, even if you weren't getting handouts from the government, maybe you're at home, maybe you're you're tightening your belt, maybe you were self-employed. Um, you know, there's so many different parameters. But as soon as things opened up, especially in, in Toronto, like, you drive around most of the areas like you're looking, and going, what what crisis are we facing for some Canadians? Like I'm not saying this in a, a good way or a bad way, but you know, let's say you go for dinner for a special occasion, it's like they're slammed. All these restaurants are slammed. Everybody's traveling. We just came back from the airport. It was so busy. Like, what's going on?
2: So that means people are not worried about their mortgage.
0: But this comes down to the point. There's a certain cohort of people that are desperately worried about their mortgages because. Of the fact that they have a substantial mortgage, maybe it's variable, maybe it's not. But then there's a big core of people that don't have any worries because mm. if you have a small mortgage, even if your interest rate doubles, you know, like I've talked, I just talked to a person, you know, a couple of times, a two three hundred thousand dollar mortgage. You know, yeah, the rate's going to go up. What's it going to cost them yeah. an extra hundred two hundred dollars a month? They're like, okay, right? Like, and it, it's a lot of money for some, but not for others. So that's the thing. There's a lot of wealth in the system right now. Mm-hmm. So the impact on every Canadian is not the same. It's not unanimous across the no, board.
1: No, and I think that's what the majority of the problem is too is because they're putting Canadians in one boat, right? Like they're saying, you know, there's people that have money and, you know, have the ability to spend whatever whenever they want and there's the some that can't. They can't afford to go out for dinner. They can't even afford to buy, you know, a specific type of grocery to make to that night for dinner. So you'll you'll see that there's a big gap, wealth gap in, can, in Canada, and the government saying, "Well, you know, you have to stop spending." But you try to tell people, or especially the ones that can afford to spend, to stop spending. I don't think you you know you're not putting. <laughs> it's it's very difficult to to do that. Right? How
0: many how many millionaires were created over the last few? How many billion how many how yeah, many billionaires? Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that there's there's still a small percentage, obviously, but there's a lot of people that did well. There's a lot of people that were in very secure jobs They were in the uh, public sector. They were not impacted. They were still working. No matter if there were recession hits, they're still going to get paid. Uh, So like they're continuing on their life as normal. Yes, there are going to be certain people that are going to tweak their spending patterns. You know, maybe I don't need to have, uh, you know, that particular alcohol. I can maybe move to that one. Or, you know, you're going to look for different ways at the grocery store. Like you said, like, I maybe I don't need this premium brand. I'm going to jump over. But for most people, they're still doing what they need to do. And like you said, if someone has that money, how do you influence a millionaire a multi-millionaire, yeah, and it she doesn't even have to be—it doesn't that. even have to be a millionaire, right?
1: Like you said, if there's people that have a very little mortgage, or if they, you know, they they bought that house back no in two thousand and have no mortgage, you know, you're you're kind of putting everyone in the same group, and I don't think it's fair. And these inflation numbers are, you know, a contribute to increased groceries, increased fuel that we've seen just in in July. It's just been astronomical at the fuel tanks to fill
0: up a vehicle. We were just in Calgary. A quick side note two cab drivers that we were working with were previously in Ontario 12, 15 years ago. Yeah. And that's 12, 15 years ago. Right. And some of them just came over from other parts of the province. So like, you know, you're running into people at random in Calgary while you're there. It's like, Oh yeah, I lived in Kingston or yeah, I moved to to Calgary. I I had a ticket uh, back to Toronto and I just never, never came back. And I just stayed here in, in, in Banff for example. So it's, it's interesting like to go out there and actually see the dynamics versus uh hearing about it but when you're actually out there listening to people's stories and why they came out because you know you asked the question I'm, I'm in that industry yeah what made you leave he's like he's like ah, i couldn't take any more it was getting too expensive and i'm like if you thought it was expensive 12 years ago uh yeah, you know, what, <laughs> what do you think is <laughs> happening right now and when we sat with we sat with some individuals and we were talking about this we were shocking some of the realtors that were seasoned in calgary like it, it's it's a completely different ball game, and they're just like, how much are you guys paying for this? And you yeah, know. even just closing costs
1: alone on on a purchase in in Calgary is night and day from what we see here in in Ontario. No land transfer, no tax. land transfer tax, just lawyer legal fees and. And you know, and if
2: people have more questions to tell you and ask you,
0: where can they reach you? So, as we wrap up the episode, uh, if you do want to get in touch with In InTouch uh, Mortgage Solutions, you know, you can follow us on social media. You can follow us uh, on Instagram at A underscore You can follow us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the channel at, uh, at InTouch Mortgages. And obviously, you can send us an email or visit our website at uh, inTouchMortgageSolutions.com and uh we'll wrap Maybe up the episode right? yeah <laughs> no Claudia isn't Claudia's is one of the very few that doesn't have social media well, i was gonna
1: say you can uh, you can reach us on instagram but you have your handle
0: and we have the well, in touch page as we have well. the in touch yeah. uh have the in touch page as well at in mortgage solutions and uh we'll, uh, see, you later. we'll <laughs> see you later thanks for watching take care